Welcome back to A Hip Dad Sports. I'm your host, Cooper Hopcraft. Today we have a different episode, kind of a fun one. Uh, it's on college football and recruiting. And I've, I already recorded this podcast once, but I had a broken mic and now I have a new one. Plus, of course, I think everybody's, a, I mean, for the first time in forever, 247 updated their rankings. A bunch more commitments happened at big, big news in the 2022 class. So um, stay tuned. Okay, before we begin, let me just say, make sure to follow me on Instagram at cooper.hopcraft with two Ts. DM me any questions you have, because I already have a couple that I'm going to be getting to today. Uh, make sure to leave this podcast a five-star review on um, the on iTunes and the podcast app if you enjoyed it. And leave a comment there, and I'll answer that. And of course, I think everybody's favorite, which we're bringing back, debunking comments I see. So wait till the end. This is going to be a good one. Okay, so hopping right into it, I'll start at the basics. So for right now, at 2021, uh, each college football team ranking, uh, it's very, if you compare this now to July, it's very different, and things are going to change so much. And I know there there are still so many players that have not committed, so do stay updated, and I'd, I'll get more into that. But as of right now, top five right now are Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Oregon, and Georgia. And honestly, all these could flip, and even though Ohio... Ohio State, the virus has really, I guess the virus, it's really been, it hit Ohio State more than anybody. (laughs) There we go. I mean, they they were favorites to get Tristan Lay, and what Ohio State does is they go into into every state and recruit so well, but they kind of, they need those recruits from the South. Like, they need the guys from out West and in Texas and you know, places far from Ohio, and because of the virus, you can't really go visit them. And Ohio State is really good at locking onto players if they come to Columbus and take a tour and meet everybody. So it's kind of been tough. Like they lost Tristan Lay and Corey Foreman, but as of right now, it it looks like. So I'll just get to this. In the top ten, there are three uncommitted players: the number one, number two, and number eight players in the nation. Number one, Corey Foreman, a side defensive end from um. Uh, California, number two, JT Tiamualu, uh, a defensive end from Washington, and then Emeka Abuka, a wide receiver from Washington. And as of right now, even though Ohio State is number two with only four, four five-star prospects, they are favored to get Emeka Abuka and JT Tiamualu. I think Abuka is almost a lock. Crystal Ball has it at 92, but you know how the crystal balls are. It's probably going to be gone in 10 years for a good reason, but... JT Tuamualu, I'd say, is probably about a 60%. I really hope he commits <laughs> if, if Ohio State gets two of the top three players in the nation. And Jack, both defensive ends, I mean, you'd think that just because they have two, a defensive end, like the third best in the nation, they wouldn't be able to sign the second best. But that's a that's a position you want as many players as possible. And I think what Ohio State is thinking is that in the end, they want like a Nick Bosa, Chase Young, because like imagine if Nick Bosa stayed at Ohio State and played with Chase Young, that would probably be the greatest defensive line of all time. And so I think that's kind of what they're going for. And but right now Ohio State is looking like they're gonna get um, Jax or Emeka Abuka and JT Tuamalu. Th- I'm pretty sure JT Tuamalu. I was call him JT, so I don't butcher him. I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I'm butchering your name, but. He, I think it's going to come down to the signing day, or maybe, unless in the next few days, maybe by the time this podcast come out, comes out, he'll announce that he's he'll signing on the pre-release, pre-signing day on December 15th, but I think 
just because everybody you know has already committed, do not do not not watch the National Signing Day because that's going to be very interesting. Because I'm I, I, I'm willing to bet Corey Foreman will do it on National Signing Day. The Crystal Ball has him at as like a 68% to go to USC, which I do not see happening. I mean, I want him to go to the USC so badly. They need they need him pretty badly, but I think LSC. I think it's going to be LSU, Georgia, Clemson, specifically LSU. Once again, it's this is a toss-up, so it's hard to say. And going back to, if you look back in June and compare it to now, it's obviously very different. I mean, in June, it was looking like Ohio State was going to have the greatest recruiting class of all time. If they still can. It's going to take a miracle. As of right now, I still think it's going to be the best class. It's definitely going to be the best class in the nation. They're going to come back up from Alabama, get two more top 10 players, and have... What what is it now? Three of the top ten, twelve. They're gonna they, they could potentially have twelve top one hundred players. They're signing twelve percent of the top one hundred, which is if you do not know what that means, that's basically insane and crazy. But Alabama kind of skyrocketed up with the Brockmeyer Brockmeyer brothers signing there. Number four outside tackle, number four player in the nation, number one tackle offensive lineman in the nation. And a bunch of other tackles signing for Alabama. Their O line is going to be so nasty in a couple of years once these guys become juniors. But um, so right now Alabama's in first, and the virus did not help. Obviously, like I described before with Tristan Lay and Corey Foreman and all these guys. But I mean, the all-time record is 2010 in Florida with a 2:24. As of right now, Alabama is 3:10, and Ohio State is 3:03. But if Emeka Abuka and JT, Tuam- JT Tuamualu commit, that would bump them up to 317 and have the best class in Ohio State history in the nation, but falling short of the Florida one. And that JT, or I'm sorry, that um, Tristan Lay commitment really does hurt. And obviously 2020 has been crazy. I mean, like, everybody that, the Big Ten looks like it's awful. I don't know who's good, who's bad. It's It's such a crazy year. I mean... Penn State's 0-4, Michigan's 1-3, uh, LSU, like, everybody has problems, and I don't know if it's because of the virus or because of, a, I mean, there are a bunch of good defensive players opting out. The best defensive player in the nation, Micah Parsons, opted out from Penn State, which kind of, which really hurt them, but a lot of people think that just because, you know, you have a bad season hurts your recruiting, and it doesn't really work like that. Like, LSU's looking like they might get, they're definitely going to have a top five, probably if they could get beat Alabama to get number the, the number two spot, but they're definitely getting a top three class, even though they're awful right now in Michigan. Even though, even though they're in shambles and Herb, it's not looking like Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach at the end of the year. They're one and three. They still have a top ten recruiting class, and honestly, they're if you're a Michigan fan listening to this, you should be happy because they have a top ten recruiting class, and it looks like it's only going to go up. And one more thing to note is that it's kind of impressive. I hate Clemson with every ounce of blood in my body. I hate Debo Sweeney more than anybody. I hate I hate my least favorite player in all of sports are Aaron Rodgers and Brent Venables. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know more about that, just let me know, and I'll probably describe it. But as much as I hate Clemson, they always do well in recruiting. I mean, Debo Sweeney has really transformed his team. They used to be getting 45th, 30th, 27th in recruiting, you know, like not even top 30 sometimes, and then he comes in, and then... They slowly start working their way up, and I think last year they had the number one class in the nation for the first time ever, but they never have, besides last year, like a top one, top two, top three class, but with the players that they get, they usually do pretty 
pretty well coaching them, as much as I'd hate to admit it. Um, and definitely Dabo Sweeney deserves a lot of credit for turning that around. They're definitely, they went for being, what, like averaging 20 to 40th ranked in the nation for recruiting classes, the top 10. So he deserves every penny he's getting. The only problem is that he plays for Clemson and he can beat Ohio State, which I think if Clemson beats Notre Dame, which they'll get into and I'll discuss more next week. I know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans listening to this from Chicago. Uh, but if Clemson beats Notre Dame, it's looking like it's going to be Ohio State-Clemson rematch, which it's going to be a shootout. I mean, and more about that is that this year, and Nick Saban said yesterday, uh, let me pull up the quote real quick. So here it is. Nick Saban says, I do not, I do think the days of playing great defense and winning are probably behind us, specific, specifically about college football, and he is not wrong. If you compare, uh, what, 2010 to 2020, even last year, it's, you need offenses to win the championship. And you can use UGA Georgia as a perfect example. Every year they have the best defense in college football, except for arguably last year. But, I mean, if you don't have an offense, you can't win. I mean, if they got to the championship with a good O-line, good wide receivers, the best defense in the nation, but they can never win. And they, they had him. They had, they had Justin Fields could have won him a championship, and I don't think Georgia fans can ever get over, can ever um, let go of that with um, Kirby Smart. Thank God he plays for Ohio State now, but, I mean, it must be like if you're a Georgia fan, you see Justin Fields play, you might shed a tear. I mean, but especially this year, too, I mean, there's no defense anywhere, and I've, it's just it's just a wild year. I do not know what to think. Like, Ole Miss put up 50 on Alabama. I mean, it, every game is like a shootout. There's no defense, and it's, it's partly because, like, LSU is looking awful because they had 14 players go to the draft last year. I mean, Ohio State's whole secondary is wiped. I mean, they're doing a pretty good job with the players they have, but... Clemson, they've lost a couple players on defense, but it's just a shootout. And I think that they're starting to learn and take that is that you don't need a. It's definitely. So when Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State, and whoever the fourth seed is, probably looking like uh, Florida, whenever they play, it's going to be a shootout. And you don't need to stop Alabama. If you're Clemson or Ohio State and you're playing Alabama, you don't need to stop Alabama. You just need to slow them down one or two drives. And especially if you're Ohio State, you know, you have the best offense in the nation. Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, O-line. And Justin Fields this year is unbelievably good. Uh, like, you can rely on him to just get in the get in his rhythm and just start throwing it. And if Ohio, once Ohio State doesn't control the score, they're going to start running off these games. And I think that Ohio State has the defense to put a stop to Alabama. Not stop, but slow them down. Just one or two drives. I'm not even asking for a turnover. Just hold them to a field goal two or three times, make them punt two or two or three times, and then bam, you win. And I guess before I said that, you know, depending on how you play a season, it doesn't really affect your recruiting. First, I want to talk about, you know, back in the day, I think before many of the view, my viewers are, the viewers of this podcast, listeners of the podcast, whatever you call it, were alive or old enough to watch football. The big teams, they weren't Clemson. They weren't Alabama. They weren't Ohio State regularly. It was Miami, USC, and Texas. And if you look at why they fell off, it's because of recruiting. I don't think people realize like how important recruiting is. You have to have 
the perfect mix of coaches and recruiting. Like, and even more importantly than that, it's the guys who don't get who you don't hear. Like everybody knows Ryan Day and Urban Meyer, but the guys who are winning for Ohio State and bringing these guys are Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach, and Larry Johnson Sr., defensive line coach, and the quarterback coach. And especially yesterday after getting Quinn Ewers, Ewers, I've said it in my mind so many times, I can't say it out loud. And, you know, things really just started falling apart for USC after Pete Carroll left, and even now, like, the mighty USC, the mighty Texas and Miami are changed now by Penn State, or I'm sorry, not Penn State, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. And it's looking like it's going to stay that way for a long time. The gap between the big three, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, and the rest of the nation is bigger than it's ever been before, and it's and it's still going to grow. I mean, if like if you compare, like everybody knows it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State in the playoffs. Like nobody comes close, and it's going to keep growing. They're they getting they're getting top ten, top five in recruiting every year. Like you cannot compete with these guys, which is bad if you're a. As an Ohio State fan, that's good for Ohio State. But as a college football fan, you know, you, you got to hate this because there's going to be less upsets. It's going to be the same people. Like, seeing Alabama and Clemson in the playoff was so boring. And even for college football, they might initiate some sort of rule because they're losing money when Alabama and Clemson play in, this final, play in the championship each year. But, like, you see, like, when Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State don't play each other in the playoffs, they destroy everybody. Clemson played Notre Dame in the playoff, destroys them, 31-3. to Alabama plays Georgia, destroys them. Uh, Alabama plays Michigan State, destroys them. And I guess you can argue that Georgia was in there for a while They've in Oklahoma, but they they tried to, you know, get into the top three, make it like a top five, but it did not work. And it's not looking good for Oklahoma at all. I mean... It's, it's like the Big 12 is cursed with defense. And if you're thinking, like, how do they, how does these big, these big three teams, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, keep getting in this position? If you're also tired of me hearing, if you're also tired of me saying Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, I mean, you better not be, because that's all you're going to be hearing the next couple years. Is You're not going to hear it on this podcast. You're going to hear it everywhere. I mean, that's all you're going to hear. But if you're wondering how they get into that position, it's because, like I mentioned that 10 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, the Giants were Miami, Texas, and USC, but Ohio State and Alabama were both there. They were constantly ranked, not like top 10, top 2 like they usually are, but it's the reason why so many players go there is because since the draft was initiated, who are the two schools you hear every every round, every pick, like more than any other? It's Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama, Ohio State. I mean, other schools are called, but not nearly as much. The gap, they're the best, they're the two best historical programs of all time. And I think if you want to argue who's NFLU, I don't really like arguing that, but if you had to choose, I think you'd pick Alabama. I mean, it, it depends. Alabama right now is definitely NFLU. Ohio State's a little bit behind, but nobody compares to Alabama and Ohio State. I mean, like if you're, if you're wondering why, like, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't someone switch up the game and Corey Foreman stay at USC? It's because, like, all Alabama and Ohio State have to tell them is that if you come play for us and start, you are going to be drafted. Every every starting cornerback at Ohio State in the past 30 years has been drafted. And just hearing this name recognition everywhere, you know, you're, you're going to choose them. You know that they have great coaches, and you're going to compete every year. And so it it sucks. I mean, yeah, I'm a Ohio State fan. I want to see them win, but I want to see them play good teams. I want, 
I want there to be upsets. I obviously do not miss when Ohio State, an Urban Meyer team, once a year would always lose to middle, like a nobody team. Like, I don't say nobody, but just a team they should not lose to, like Michigan State, Purdue. And if you're in Ohio, Ohio State, that's not going to happen anymore because Ryan Dazer, head coach, new team. And I don't think Urban Meyer gets enough credit. I mean, I know he's like, oh, this is still Urban Meyer's draft class, but Ryan Day is building off what he, Urban Meyer has, and Urban Meyer left him, Ryan Day, pretty much everything he had. And Urban, Ryan Day and both Urban Meyer have done exceptional. Like yesterday, and I'll get into it in the next segment, but Quinn Ewers, you know what, I'll just talk about it now. The reason I'm doing this podcast again is because everything got switched up. And big news, the number one player in the world, the number one quarterback in the nation, Quinn Ewers, signed with Ohio State, which is big for more reasons than people realize. Number one is that a lot of people rip on Ohio State because they never produce a good quarterback, which I'll just debunk this now. There's a reason those people are not NFL GMs. You do not do not pick a player based off his school. I mean, yeah, I said like, oh, Ohio State, Alabama always produce the best players. It's not, they don't pick a player because of where they went. They pick them based off talent. And Ohio State and Alabama just produced the best talent. And, and I mean, even though a Ryan Day quarterback is looking like so much better than an Urban Meyer quarterback, don't get me wrong, I love Braxton Miller and Dwayne Haskins, but when you have Quinn Ewers, Justin Fields, uh, 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 Kyle McCord coming in, Ohio State has, two back, has back-to-back five-star quarterbacks coming in. I'm In the next 10 years, they're... I'm not saying Ohio State's going to become quarterback you, but they're definitely going to be in the conversation. Historically, they've always produced quarterbacks, but it's been a while since Ohio State has had a white quarterback. And it's just 10 years ago. It's just like technology. If you compare college football 10 years ago to today, it's going to look... College football 10 years from now, 2020 to 2030, is going to be a bigger difference than 2000 to 2020. I mean... If everything keeps going the way it's going, it's Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and a challenger every year. And it's going to become like a normal where it's, okay, these three are definitely making the playoffs. And I think that gives the NCAA more reason to do the eight-team playoff, which, God, I would kill for that. That would be so amazing because that gives them a better chance of an upset, more fun to see your team in it. Because four spots, come on, like, especially a couple years, there's only going to be one spot available for Tier 2 teams, like, or I guess Tier 1.5, like Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, if you can even say that anymore. I mean, Oklahoma in the playoffs last year was, I know it's Joe Burrow and that RPO, amazing offense, and they had Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but you let up how many points, 63, in a football game? You're the fourth best team in the country? I mean, obviously, I... I'm not an Oklahoma fan, but I am annoyed about that. But as an Ohio State fan, and if there's any Ohio State fans listening, I mean, the reason Ohio State has been recruiting so well is because they always preach this method of brotherhood. And, I mean, you see it in the players that have committed. They're they're like family. Like Trayvon Henderson, five-star running back, top 30 player, you know, encouraging all these guys. Like, once you commit, you know, you're like, oh, come to Ohio State, come do this, come do that. And I, it's... You know, like, you want to go there and be like, oh, geez, these guys are so nice. They want me there. And you want to, like, join all these what seems on social media, like, really cool. And it's kind of like portraying yourselves. Like, I don't see why you would not want to go to Ohio State. I mean, 
think about it. All right, I know I've already mentioned this, but let's just say you're a number one, I don't know, cornerback in the nation. Everybody wants you. And, you know, your top schools, a lot of players' top schools are Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and one or two, like, small, like, wherever they're from. So let's just say I'm going to make up this character. His name will be Connor Hopkins. No relation to Cooper Hopcraft, me. So if Connor Hopkins is from Maryland, and he's the number one, hmm, I guess I'm I'm kind of built like a defensive end. I am almost 5'4", 200 pounds, 6'1", 150, close enough. So Connor Hopkins is a 6'4", 200 pound defensive end from Maryland. And you have, he gets every offer in the nation. And he, he gets an offer from every school in the nation. And Mr. Hopkins narrows it down to five schools. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Maryland, and Georgia. So where do you want to go? Maryland? I mean, you have you grew up there. You probably went to a million camps in Maryland. But it's just not attractive enough for you. They don't have, they're not offering what other schools are offering. So that's off your list. So now you're down to Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. You're probably going to, mm, no relation to Georgia, you're going to go off that. And then you see Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and you think, oh, okay, uh, let's just say, I don't know, Clemson already has enough defensive ends, and it's, so it's going to come down to the two NFL teams, NFL university teams, as I call them, Alabama and Ohio State. And the past 2021, 22, looking like 23 and far beyond is that you see all these guys having fun on social media. You know, on even like yesterday, Quinn Ewers, you know, you had Corey Foreman, a bunch of Ohio State guys coming in just to talk, and you're like, damn, I really want to be a part of that. And, like, this from the second you commit, it's like you're a part of the brotherhood. So you're going to obviously go to Ohio State. That's what it's looking like right now that no other team in the nation does, which I think they're going to start doing. And obviously you're not, you're not going to hear anybody else in the world talk about that besides maybe like me and a couple other it's probably the only podcast you're going to hear this on, but you're, you're by 2030, you're going to see a lot of that brotherhood mentality because, you know, when someone commits all the prospects, you know, come to Ohio State, do this, do that. I'm not even describing it right. Just go on Twitter and type in Ohio State or look up Trayvon Henderson, look at who he comments. It's like the players are recruiting too. So also, let's just say, going back to the Connor Hopkins, the 6'4", 200 defensive end, basically a replica of me so you have you have Clemson Alabama or I'm sorry Ohio State and Alabama you have the greatest defensive line coach of all time in Larry Johnson who's produced players like Joey Bosa Nick Bosa Chase Young and then I see players like Justin Fields and Trayvon Henderson and Quinn Ewers Ewers commenting you know under my post and DMing me like oh you know come to Ohio State and Jordan Hancock like that seems really fun I would honestly commit there Okay, now it is time for the questions. Uh, also, I know I've said it before, make sure to DM me on Instagram and I'll answer as much as possible. I have a couple now, because it's the first time we've done it in a while. Do you think Trevor Lawrence being back, supposing Notre Dame plays Clemson in the ACC final, will have an impact? Mm, okay, I, th I, I, know what I know what you're trying to say. Do I think having Trevor Lawrence back will be a big, a bigger impact than people think? Yeah, I mean, I, under I know... DJ Wangalele played amazing, threw for so many yards in this offense, but everybody's like, oh, you know, Justin or Trevor Lawrence would do the same, if not even that. But the difference between a freshman quarterback and a, a junior, senior quarterback that's won the national championship, that's played in games like that, is huge. I mean, he's played in three ACC championship games. He's played in two college 
or national championship games won once. And even, like, so there's the thing I hate about college football is that, and football in general, is that the camera angle they show you is so atrocious. Like, you cannot see things that the quarterback sees. So you think, oh, he made that throw. Good for him. But you don't see how hard it is. Like, the perfect example of that would be Clemson versus LSU last year in the final. And after the game, people talk about, oh, that wasn't Trevor Lawrence's best game. Like, 160 yards, no touchdowns, interception. And then if I went back and watched a tape and you realize, oh, my goodness, this this was atrocious. Like, I mean, he missed throw. Even for LSU's defensive backs, Clemson wide receivers did pretty well. And Trevor Lawrence missed some throws, made mistakes over and over again. And so DJ Ongalele was making throws, but they were like, they were not throws that, they were throws that Trevor Lawrence would do. And just having Trevor Lawrence back and all these defensive starters back and having the confidence that, you know, your Heisman finalist, national championship winning quarterback is back and he's going to make plays and he's going to know things from being playing college football for three more years and then DJ Wangalele is back so I know Notre Dame fans don't like to hear that but it's going to be Clemson by a lot okay uh NFL, NFL. do you think Michigan will ever be able to out recruit Ohio State or recruit and coach the level of Ohio State and make the game interesting and potentially beat them yes I hope so, because I know it's fun to beat Michigan every year, but it's not fun to beat them 60 to nothing every year when they're like 3-3, three and three, when they have a losing record. And it does look like it's gonna the game's going to be coming back. Uh, Michigan's starting to recruit better and better each year, back-to-back top 10 classes, a five-star quarterback coming in. So it's also big. You need to beat Ohio State, not just for, you know, the game's back, but recruiting. Like, if you come down... To Ohio State, Michigan, who are you going to choose? A team that loses to your rival every single year or a team that beats your rival every year and plays in the national, you know, has a shot at the national championship? You're going to choose the guy who beats your rival and chooses the national championship. Okay, Texas man, a bunch of numbers. Oh, he blocked, oh, a negative comment. Blocked me right after she says this. That's odd. Who cares about Ohio State football? Clearly the Texas recruits because Ohio State goes into Texas and steals all your players. I'm assuming that he's mad that Quinn Ewers, Ewers, I always call him Quinn. I'm just assuming he's mad that Quinn decommitted from Texas and chose Ohio State. Now it's time for everybody's favorite, debunking comments I see on social media. And I only have one college football one, and it's under a post about, you know, teams making, every team's chance to make it into the college football playoff. And he's, uh, this user comments, the ACC is the second best conference in America. It's not even close anymore. LMAO. Well, no, because first of all, whoever plays Clemson, you're gonna lose. And I've, especially after the um, I mean Notre Dame's not gonna be in the ACC next year. This is a one-time thing. They're the they Clemson plays anybody, and it's almost a guaranteed win. The gap between Clemson and everybody else is so big. I mean, plus all the. North Carolina is not good. NC State is not good. Miami, like, where everybody was early in the season, the ACC should not have six teams in the in the um, ranking. I know it was early, but two, three games in, but no. Like, it's, I might have some bias, but it's, it's the Big Ten. And I'm not going to use this year because it's a crazy year, but last year, the Big Ten had 
And, you know, this is what not, not a lot of people realize, is that Ohio State played just as hard to schedule as LSU. I think they're off by one point, maybe. But Ohio State and LSU played the same amount of top 100, top 50, top 25, 15, and 10 teams. I mean, think about who was good last year in the Big Ten. Minnesota, top 10 at some point. Wisconsin, top 10 at some point. Penn State, top 10 at some point. Ohio State, top 5. Uh, Indiana was ranked at some point last year, and they're doing pretty amazing now. So it's easily the Big Ten, and it's probably going to come back to normal in the next few years, but it's not the ACC, and it will never be the ACC. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Okay, so this should probably be aired Monday, and I'll have a, a regular scheduled both college and both NFL um, episode coming Wednesday. And then next Wednesday, I actually have a potential college-wide receiver coming on, so stay tuned for that. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, follow, and for anything... For any updates on Hip Dad Sports, follow me. Follow us on Twitter at Hip Dad Sports, no spaces or capitals. For any updates, uh, thank you and good night.